0: What's up, G-Captain listeners? Welcome to another edition of The Real G-Captain Podcast. Well, I apologize. It's been a week since my last podcast, and for two reasons. One is a great reason. It's because I was at a SNAMI, the Society of Naval Architects and Marine Engineers annual conference, which was in Providence, Rhode Island. And man, I love going to that. I love meeting with naval architects and marine engineers working at the edges of the envelope in new technologies and working on hard problems. And that was just a room full of really super intelligent people, and I loved every minute of it. So thank you to Snami for inviting me. And the other reason is, I'm a baseball fan, a Yankees fan, and this has been a long and depressing week. The worst possible thing for a Yankees fan just happened yesterday. The Red Sox won. The Boston Red Sox are arch nemesis. I get a lot of crap for being a Yankees fan in America. The Yankees aren't the most loved team, where we we have the most fans. But some people don't like us because we always spent the most money and we have the most wins by far of any sports team in America, 27 world championships. But we're not the most beloved. And people ask me, why are you a Yankees fan? It's because I'm from the Bronx. And the Bronx doesn't have that many great things. I mean, what great has come from the Bronx? You know, the... uh, Yankees and haagen Doss ice cream is, is just about it. There are many great things that have come from Boston, but the Bronx, especially from a kid who grew up in the Bronx, man. So the bottom line is today, after the Red Sox won, I feel frustrated. I feel sad. I feel a little bit angry. And rather than trying to get all excited for this podcast, I'm just... I figured I'm just going to talk about a topic that makes me a little frustrated, all sad, all angry, match the emotion I'm truly feeling with a topic that I have the same feelings about, and that is the current state of American shipyards. See, the uh, Navy, military seal of command here in this country, and the Army... Air Force has even recently published, the Military Times had an amazing article where they cite Admiral Busby, the head of MARAD, and they talk about the biggest problem facing the United States of America if there is another war, and that is the lack of mariners, specifically senior level mariners. Most of the Pentagon agrees now we need more merchant marine captains and chief mates and chief engineers, first officers. But to get those, we need more U.S. flagships, And there are laws in this country, the Jones Act, which requires that many of the uh, areas where ships can go, they have to be U.S. built ships. So we need more U.S. built ships, but ships, getting ships built in America is very expensive. A lot more expensive than in places like Korea. And they take a lot longer to build than this country. The question is why? And the problem is with American shipyards. There are some really inherent problems with the shipyards that need to get fixed. And in my frustration and sadness and anger, I'm going to list some of the things wrong with American shipyards and how I think we can fix them. Now, I want to say that I haven't spent much time in American shipyards building new ships. I have spent times in repair shipyards. But a lot of these things are cultural. And as an American, I, and having gone to business school and, and researched and gone to shipbuilding conferences and stuff, I'm not going to talk outside my expertise. I'm going to compare some things in American shipyards with Korean shipyards. One, because they build the highest tech, uh, really good quality ships in the world in Korea. Some of the most productive shipyards. And I spent a year in a Korean shipyard, Samsung Heavy Industries. In charge of the Marine Department, overseeing the building of a $750 million drill ship, which was going to work for BP. So I have lots of experience there. And I want to talk about the things that are wrong and how we fix them. And the number one thing wrong with the situation is... There are wrong assumptions being made due to limited cross-knowledge. John, what the hell do you mean by this limited cross-knowledge? Listen, guys, a lot of people, you know, when I talk to them at these conferences like SNAME, I hear two things. I I bring in a lot of different segments of the industry into the conversation, and they always say, how do you know so much about submarines or offshore rigs or cruise ships? You never worked at a cruise ship. How do you know that? I'm not an expert in a lot of these fields, but I do a lot of reading and I go to a lot of different conferences. You know, at Stamey, they said, are you going to go come to this conference again next year? I said, probably not. I'll probably go to a different conference. I'll be back here, but I'll go to a different conference. I find high value in going to different conferences, and not just in the industry. I go to tech conferences and journalism conferences, and I talk to people in all these industry segments. And this is the number one thing G-Captain was formed to kind of dispel and get rid of is this segmentation in the industry. You know, tanker guys and offshore guys tend to hang out in Houston while cruise ship guys hang out in Florida and the finance guys in America – hang out in Stanford and the regulators hang out in Washington, DC. And there's not a lot of cross-pollination between these groups. You know, the second biggest question I got at SNAMI is, why did you come to SNAMI? I thought you were a, a journalist and uh your deck officer, not an engineer and not a naval architect. I said, just because of this, you know, by any any experience I have, any secret to my success is not being smarter, better. It's doing a lot of cross learning. And it helped me in my career as captain. I'd spend a lot of time in the engine room and on drill ships. I'd spend a lot of time in the drill shack T- and talking to these guys. And that's, that's not done enough in this country or, you know, other countries too. I don't see a lot of foreign... Mariners, I don't see a lot of representation from London and Amsterdam coming to U.S. conferences. And I don't see a lot of U.S. conferences going over there. It's better among the internationals in itself. But a lot, I've been to conferences, a lot of conferences in Asia. And I don't see many Europeans over there. We got to start going and gaining that knowledge and traveling to other countries, other market segments. And learning from each other. And... This is a big problem. I talked to a lot of shipbuilders at SNAMI, and I was telling them a lot about Korean shipyards, and I was amazed at how little they knew about Korean shipyards. Here's a guy in charge of naval architecture at a major shipyard, in charge of production and design in a major shipyard, and they many of them have never been over to Korea. Don't you need to go over and see firsthand and work with the best and most product? shipyards to learn how to bring those techniques and lessons learned back to your environment I think that's critical but it's not happening today and this lack of cross knowledge I mean this lack of cross knowledge comes from there's basic steps that everyone can take every American shipyard employee and management should have read let there be a yard memories of a shipbroker by swong Huang. apologize if i got the pronunciation wrong but it's available at amazon i'll link to it in the show notes and th- this is the book about one of the greatest shipbuilders of all time and yet when i mention it to american shipbuilders they're like what are you talking about this book has been translated into english why it hasn't at least been read by all. And these lack of cross-training leads to wrong assumptions. And Wrong assumptions are so, so bad because when we assume things, we don't learn the real lessons and we can't fix the real problems in our industry. Assumptions are killing us in this country assumptions about how other countries do things and operate, so damaging. And, and a lot of work is being done in American shipyards to revamp management techniques and revitalize the industry, and a lot of it's good. But unless we have the accurate information, unless we kill these assumptions, we're going to be wasting a lot of time and money. So I want to go over some wrong assumptions that I've heard, and not everyone believes this. But these are ones I've taken down notes at uh, Snamie and other places of things I've heard that are just simply wrong. And I could say are wrong because I worked in a Korean shipyard for a year. So the first thing I hear all the time is labor's cheaper in Korea, that Koreans work for less. And this is bogus. Not every position is paid the same as in the U.S., but salaries are comparable among Korean Shipyard workers to their American com- counterparts. They're not very far off statistically. Labor's not cheap in Korea. So that assumption's just wrong. Number two is that Koreans work longer. And this can be number of days or number of hours. No, but it's wrong. Koreans start their day at nine and are done by five. They have coffee breaks throughout the day, they have a large lunch break. These guys take a lot of breaks and a lot of time off during the day. They start the whole day not working, but doing calisthenics in the yard. So the amount of time they're actually behind a hammer doing something is, 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 is not very different from American shipyard workers. And they have more vacation time. I mean, a lot of American shipyard workers only get two weeks' vacation a year. The Koreans get more. So, no, they do not work longer. They do not work for less. The next I hear is they work harder. And I what does harder mean? I've gone to Korean and very rarely do I see people sweating and 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 angry and emotionally engaged and and really struggling. No, there's a teamwork aspect. I see that often in American repair yards. Guys trying to use their strength to pull things and, you know, waiting for teammates to become available. I see that hard work and emotion in American shipyards. I don't see it in Korea. So I don't think Koreans work harder than Americans. That's just wrong. The next big one, big, huge one, is I hear that It's the unions. People tell me it's the unions, John. You can't deal with American shipyard working unions. The unions are the ones who delay the ships. The unions are the ones with all these crazy rules. And I admit there are some crazy rules that have to go. When I was in one particular shipyard, which I won't uh, name, it started just drizzling a little bit and all the welders stopped and they drew a one-foot circle. And they started counting raindrops in the circle. And if any of the welders in the yard got 10 raindrops in this circle, they shut down the entire yard. I mean, this is ridiculous and crazy. So there are some crazy rules like this. But unions in general, they're not more difficult here than in Korea. They're reasonable people, they want to get the ships built. In Korea, when they have union contracts, there are riots and blood in the streets. The Unions are very, very strong in Korea. I will go out on a limb and say stronger than American unions. But they work with the unions in ways that management in the U.S. doesn't. And they pick which battles to fight with the unions and which not to fight. So, no, unions... Aren't a bigger problem here in America than they are in Korea. And neither is labor. The next one I hear uh, occasionally is steel is cheaper in Korea. Hey, guys, steel is a commodity. Steel is the same price pretty much everywhere. Now, The Korean shipyards do get steel for cheaper than American shipyards, but that's mostly based on quantity. If the American shipyards got together as a collective and bought steel, I mean, there are options to reduce the cost. But no, steel does not cost significantly more in Korea. The next one I hear I hear this all the time and this one drives me nuts. That Koreans build inferior ships. I've heard horror stories about from chief engineers and captains aboard Korean built merchant ships about how they're flimsy and they're they're, they're falling apart. And here's the thing guys, a lot of those stories are true. Korea does build some inferior ships, but here's the other half of the equation the other side of the coin Korea also builds some strong uh, stalwart really well-built ships the truth is Korea will build any ship you want it to if the ship owner comes in with the minimal specs Korean shipyards will build a ship to those minimum specs and it will be flimsy and it will fall apart. But if Americans or any company in the, in the world comes in with really strong specs and willing to spend the extra money on steel and better equipment, the Koreans do an excellent job. So no, the Korean build isn't inferior to the U.S. built ships. And sometimes I hear the opposite of that. Well, American ships are inferior. Have you been aboard a U.S. Navy ship? Have you seen an aircraft carrier? Those are strong, well-built ships, guys. So both countries are able to produce quality ships and crappy ships. It depends on the specs. And that is not a difference. The next thing I hear is Koreans have better management techniques, the Six Sigma and other, the Toyota way of management. Well, yes, but that's, that's true to some extent. But these are, these are concepts that everyone knows about are taught in every business school and ones that American shipyards can easily adopt. And they are. Just this year, they're working on revamping a lot of those techniques. Um, I still think they have a long way to go. And particularly, they have to do what the auto industry did, 70s and 80s, and look at this Toyota technique where they specifically empower the junior-level worker to make decisions himself. And we've talked about John Boyd in this group and Bridge Resource Management in this podcast. And a lot of these were learned from the German infantrymen in the World War II, this maneuver warfare. But we have a long way to go. But this isn't something that they hold the lock on. The best, the best organization in the world for these sort of new management techniques is the U.S. Marine Corps. They have a maneuver warfare college, and they are at the forefront. They are ahead of Toyota. They are ahead of the Korean yards, and the shipyards can hire them. The next one I hear is Koreans have more real estate and less regulations with environment and building. Guys, have you been to Korea the population of Korea is huge. These people are, you know, you'll have entire families, extended families in very small apartments. They are very limited on real estate. So I don't want to hear that, oh, well, there's no more waterfront left in the United States to expand the shipyards. Well, there's no more waterfront in Korea. These Korean shipyards aren't that geographically large. The square footage isn't huge, but they do make, Great use of all available space at all times. So, so, no, there isn't more real estate and land availability in Korea. It's just wrong. Next one I hear is Koreans have better export incentives. That when they export ships, the Korean government uh, pays some of the foreign taxes and helps get the export. And this is true. This has been a secret to the Korean shipyard success. But here's the thing. America doesn't export many ships. All of these ships built in American shipyards are for American use, so export incentives aren't going to help us. That is not a competitive advantage. The next thing I hear is Koreans have developed special uh, designs, in-house designs that they're very secretive about and methods of construction that they're very secretive about and don't share. Well, this is complete nonsense too, guys. Most of the American ships, commercial ships built in 2018 at American shipyards are being built to specs and designs that American shipyards have bought from the Koreans. The Koreans are happy to sell us their techniques and their equipment and their designs. They're not keeping them secret. You got to pay for them. But they are willing and able to share and are doing so right now. So no, they don't have better designs that allow them to create cheaper ships. I mean they do, but they're willing to sell it to us. The next one I hear is Koreans have special equipment and equipment. Well, again, man, a lot of this equipment's available on the open market. And it maybe it's expensive and the American shipyards don't want to invest in new automation techniques, new welding techniques and such, but it's available. The last I hear is Koreans have more skillful labor. Well, they may have more quantity of skilled labor available, but not necessarily quality. Do you have any idea the skilled labor involved in building a nuclear submarine or a U.S. aircraft carrier? We have the skilled labor here in this country. Maybe we need more of it, but we have the skilled base in order to do on-the-job training and teach these techniques. We have the schools, there needs to be an expansion, but we have the technological base. So all of these assumptions are wrong, guys. They're just wrong. And I hear one or two or all of these from American shipyard management all the time. And we got to stop telling ourselves these. Number two major thing that the Koreans do better than us. And that we have to fix in this country, if we're going to have shipyards that produce better quality ships on time for less money, is, this is huge, we have to have zero tolerance for wasting times in American shipyards. Listen, guys, there's another book I want to mention here. It's Abundance by Peter Diamandis. And in this book, It's a long book. It's a great book, though. He looks at everything, and he says there's an abundance of everything. There's an abundance of skilled talent in this country. There's an abundance of smart talent in this country. There is an abundance of money in this country. And that's one thing this U.S. people say, well, we don't have the the money to invest in American shipyards. Bullshit! The U.S. right now is leading the world in ship building financing. We are the number one financiers in new build. We're not spending much in American shipyards, but the money is there, guys. And uh, Diamantes looks at everything. He says diamonds. We think, oh, there's a scarcity of diamonds. No, no, it's just the, the De Beers you know, puts these diamonds in vaults and locks them up to artificially increase the value. And through marketing, the diamonds are very expensive. But diamonds aren't expensive because there's a scarce a, a natural scarcity. They're, they're expensive because there's a created scarcity. And it's not always just creative. There's still an abundance out there. We they market that there is a scarcity of diamonds. So we have the mindset that it's scarcity. And that's what the book talks about, all these mind, scarcity mindset that we, and there have been lots of studies in Ivy League schools about the scarcity mindset. It hurts us that we can't get this. We can't get that. But Diamandes and says there's only one thing in this world that is truly scarce, only one commodity or thing that you just can't buy, you can't get enough of. And that is time. Time. And time is Korean shipyard's secret. Nobody is goofing off in Korean shipyards. You go to an American shipyard but between morning start of work and the first coffee break at a Korean shipyard. No, you can't find anyone goofing off. You go to America and shipyard and it's easy to find guys standing around, having a snack, going to the bathroom, all of these other things, talking Korean shipyard. And when I was there, When we'd have visitors to the Korean shipyards from America, one of the thing, first things I'd tell them is, I'll give you a hundred bucks if during the working hours between breaks you can find one person out of the forty-five thousand in this shipyard, if you can find one person, just take a picture with your cell phone, goofing off, enjoying sitting back, enjoying a drink, a cigarette, I'm gonna run to the bathroom. Uh just chatting away, if you can find on the phone texting, if you can find one person goofing off, I will give you a hundred bucks and in my year, I gave that challenge to dozens of people, and not one collected their money. When they are working and again, they don't work harder, they don 't work longer, but when they 're working, they are seriously working it's productivity. Productivity is based on time. That is what's killing us in American shipyards. And even more important than that is number three. And uh, Korean shipyards have an absolute zero tolerance for delays. I said, number two, they have a zero tolerance for wasting time, anyone wasting time. Number three is zero tolerance for delays. But it's these basically the same facts, guys. Korean shipyards will fire employees who are repeatedly found wasting time. They will fire third-party contractors who are repeatedly found to waste time. They will fire classification societies who waste their time. And most importantly, and this is something completely foreign to American shipyard operators, but it is so, so critically important. Korean shipyards will fire clients who waste time. And I've seen it so many times when I was working with this ship, we had to get it built. My bosses in Houston occasionally wanted to make changes. A lot of change requests due to changing in regulations, change in in market philosophy. And we'd approach the Korean shipyards and we'd say, you know, while the ship is being built, before the ship is built, they will work with you tirelessly and work through every single change you want. But once the first bit of steel is cut, a wall goes up. And when you ask them for changes, they say, show me in the specs where we broke the contract. They will change for that, but that is the only thing they will change for. And you say, I'm, I'm sorry, you didn't break a contract, but I really need this extra crane because we got a new client and the client needs a special heave operate uh, compensated crane. And the Koreans will say, okay, we can see what we can do. And then they will come back. And they will say, hey, we can get you this crane for an extra $40 million. And you say, well, you already gave us a crane and it only cost $10 million before. And they go, now it's going to affect our schedule. And we have to revamp and we have to change everything. And the only way we can, we're not trying to charge you more, but the only way we can fit this into our existing schedule is if we have an extra $30 million. And if you fight them, they will say, okay, we'll make the changes. But this ship doesn't belong to you. See, when the ship is delivered, until the ship is delivered, the shipyard owns that drill ship. So if we absolutely wanted that, he compensated crane. The Koreans said, okay, we will do it. But this ship that you thought was yours is not yours. It's the next person's in line. And we will start again, and we will build you that crane for the $20 million that we originally promised. But it's going to take another two years because you got to get back to the back of the line, buddy. That's what they say. And if you keep on demanding, if you make these changes and say, absolutely, I need this change, they will just fire you as a client. And they've done it before. If you delay the schedule... They will fire you as a client. You don't own the ship. And when the ship, though, once you are fired as a client, they will continue building the ship that you ordered, and then they will sell it to your competitor at cost because everything in Korea pivots around that delivery schedule. They understand what American shipyards don't understand, and that is the only thing of value in this whole process is Time. The only thing scarce is time. The thing that needs to be protected is time. Why? Why is time so important? Listen, guys, delays are deadly. This is what the Korean shipyards understand. This is what Samsung and Daewoo and Hyundai understand intuitively, which every single business decision, from small decisions to large decisions, pivots around the knowledge that delays are deadly. Now, let's consider for a moment, you as an American shipyard owner, a ship owner, or contractor, someone like the Navy, wants to make a del- change that's going to delay the ship delivery by one day, just one day. And you go to the shipyard, And the shipyard's going to say, yeah, we can't really do that. That's going to mess up the schedule. And you say, well, this is a reasonable request. Is this not reasonable? It's just one delay. Can you help us out? We built this large ship in your shipyard. We've given you hundreds of millions of dollars. Can you help us out here, buddy? And the shipyards go back. This is what happens today. And they talk and they go, it is kind of a reasonable request. We can delay one day. And then they do it. And they charge a reasonable amount of money for that delay. But... During that day, the one day of delay, the employees are still getting paid by the shipyard. The employees who weren't aren't working that day. Third-party contractors are still getting paid while no work is being done on that ship, while they're not moving closer to the deadline. CEO and benefits and CEO pay and leadership pay are still getting paid Stockholder dividends are still getting paid. Employee benefits are still getting paid while the ship is not moving closer to schedule. High dollar real estate taxes to the local counties and municipalities are still getting paid. Equipment rental firms are still getting paid. Equipment, all this heavy expensive equipment in the shipyard is depreciating, which is an accounting expense. And all that equipment still has to get maintained, even if you're not building ships. The steel, meanwhile, is rusting. The rusting steel as it sits there. And warehouse costs escalate exponentially as material gets delivered that day, but is not put into the production facilities. All that, you need extra real estate to store all that material, to handle delays. And you need security guards and you need people checking on it and making sure it doesn't rust and degrade and accidents happen while it's sitting there. And anyone who's taken any accounting class knows that warehousing costs are crazy and they're just lost costs. You can never recover them. Bigger than all those expenses during our one day delay is the bank is still getting interest on the loans. The shipyards don't get paid until delivery. How do they pay for all of these expenses I just mentioned? Well, they take out bank loans like any business. But does the bank, the shipyard goes to the bank and says, hey, we need one uh, day of no interest because you know the ship own, owner asked for a reasonable change and it's gonna cause a day delay. What do you think the bank say? Sorry, pay us. All these people are saying, sorry, pay us to do these one delay. So American Shipyard, it may put in that extra crane for $20 million because that's the cost of putting in the crane. But what they're not figuring into the contract is all these extra costs that delays cost. And the next thing is variable cost rise. That's one day delay, but let's look at longer term delays. Let's look at a month delay or a six-month delay, which the Navy has been doing at a crazy, incomprehensible amount. The Navy has been delaying these aircraft carriers for these change requests and to check things and fix problems. What happens with these longer delays? Well, everything, all of these costs, the bank loans, the warehousing costs, the employee costs, these all go up exponentially as time rolls on. But the variable costs also rise. Material gets more expensive. Labor gets more expensive. The shipyard recontracts labor negotiations. But they quoted the ship at this cost. And then labor rises. Who stuck with those costs? The shipyard stuck with those costs. And companies go bankrupt or otherwise abandon hulls. I mean, how many merchant ships, cruise ships, and such over the years have been built in the the American companies squeeze out every penny to make this ship happen. And then delay after delay and after delay happens. Some the shipowner's fault, some the shipyard's fault, some the government's fault. And during the course of these delays, the company who bought the ship goes bankrupt. Now the shipyard's stuck with a hull. And what do they do then? Man, then costs get really, really nuts for the shipyard. So Fixing American shipyards is actually pretty easy. This is the good news, guys. We can fix American shipyards today. But in order to do it, everything, big decisions, small decisions, every single decision by every person inside of the shipyard has to make their decisions from the janitor up to the CEO and the welders have to make every decision through the filter glass of will this affect the schedule, which will get us ahead of the schedule and which will put us behind the schedule. Because that those delays in the schedule are where the real costs come from. And the next biggest thing, let's circle back to what I said about employees working during working hours. Not screwing off this is huge difference between Korea and America. Well, this is not caused by the American shipyard workers being lazy. This isn't caused by the unions, although some rules encourage it, which have to be removed, and we have to be able to fire union employees who repeatedly screw around during working hours. We have to increase productivity. But it's not just their fault. There's so many delays in American shipyards that just by the fact of this delay, employees come to work and they have nothing to do. So what do they do? Sit around and wait for the schedule to resume. It's not their fault. They were told today we got to wait because Navy wants to wait or the shipyard wants to wait or whoever wants to wait. And while they're waiting around and bullshitting through no fault of their own, what is the guy happening to the guy up on the ship? He's looking down, and he's seeing these guys bullshit, and he goes, hey, there's my buddy. I'm going to go make a team. Why am I working when he's not? Life isn't fair. I don't want to do this. Guys, those bad attitudes in action, in action, idleness is the devil's playground. It's the saying, idleness is contagious. Those employees not working because of delays are bad apples. They're good. They're not, they're not bad themselves. But the effect of them not working, them sitting around, of them not being pro to brings everyone down, everyone's attitude and willingness to move forward down. That's just human nature. There's no evolving it. So again, everything has to be focused on preventing delays if American shipyards want to be profitable, more productive, and want to get more ships. And this has to start by the number one cause of delays in American shipyard, expensive delays, and that is the US Navy. No one inserts more bureaucracy, more red tape. All of these pieces of red tape, you can't think of them as red tape, guys. These pieces of red tape are, in fact, tripwires. And every time someone stumbles over that, they tripwire. Of red tape. It pulls the plug on production. Production slows for sometimes it's only 20 minutes. Sometimes it's days. Sometimes it's months. But it pulls the pin on this production schedule. And when that pin on production pulls, you have inaction, which is contagious among the workers, and you light a bomb in the safe of the shipyards in the profit statement on the bottom line. That's what happens when the Navy delays the shipyard schedule. Now, we can work harder to make sure those delays happen, as the Koreans do, and I encourage everyone, the Koreans work very hard before the first cutting of steel. But once the first piece of steel is cut, What the Navy orders has to be what is delivered with no delays, no equivocation. And the Navy needs to take its whole support mechanism and all the Navy personnel working at shipyard and not slow down or find fault with the shipyard, but build it. And even if that is built wrong, even if it's of no use in the future war, even if there's a major thing that needs to be changed, that ship. That faulty ship has to be built anyway. And the Navy's got to go find money for to build it right. And they could sell that ship to a foreign Navy, and they're not going to lose that much money. But delays, guys. These delays are more deadly than anyone realizes. Any shipyard manager I talk to realizes, and it drives me nuts talking to them. It drives me nuts talking to the Navy if I could do one thing to improve the Merchant Marine right now, it would be end delays in U.S. shipyards. This has been the Real G-Captain Podcast. Thank you for listening.